You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Samson was proud, just like Moses in the beginning. Samson also had hidden sin in his life. Because he failed to humble himself and repent over time, it brought his power, his power in public ministry to an abrupt and devastating halt. Samson. Seek out men like I have in my life now that know everything about my life. Have you ever felt pride? All of us have felt pride in some area of our life at some point. In today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that pride comes before a fall. When we allow pride to creep into our lives, we begin to think that we can do something all on our own. We begin to think, wow, I'm so good at this, and we stop relying on God. This might work for a little while, but eventually we all stumble. Thankfully, God is always waiting for us with open arms, ready to receive us when we fall. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Making of a Man of God, Moses. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Just like any of us would. I'm going to go see what's going on here. And when the Lord saw him, the Lord, the Lord saw him, saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Imagine, I can't even imagine that, man. I mean, whoo. I can get scared the living daylights out of it. Doesn't tell us that here, but you, can't, you can only imagine you know, a burning bush speaks to you. And Moses said, here I am. I don't know how he said it. I'm just doing that. I don't know how he said it. Here I am. And the Lord says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, all the termites, all those guys. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, now... And I don't know if this, it's got to take Moses by complete surprise. So now I'm sending you, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my, to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, 40 years before, 
Now, now listen, I have to believe this. I have to believe 40 years before, uh, Moses would have been like, you got the right man. You got the right man for the job. I am educated. I'm educated. I grew up in a palace. Uh, I'm, I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. I'm a man of influence. You got the right guy. Let me, let, let's go. Let, let, let's add him. Come on. But that was his problem. He thought he was going to deliver somebody. I can't save you. I can't save anybody. I can't deliver anybody. Neither can you. None of us can. Without God, hey, listen, listen. And that's what humility is all about. It's not me, it's you. It's the Lord. But Moses, 40 years of humbling. He's the most humble man on the face of the earth. And here's one of the, here, here's one of the challenges with humility. I don't know if you realize one of the challenges with humility. When you're completely, completely humbled, you don't feel one bit worthy. And guess what? You don't feel one bit capable. You show me a person that believes they can, oh, yeah, I can do it. You know what I'm talking about. That kind of, hey, his problem was he was proud. His problem was he did grow up in a palace. He did. He was a smart guy. He was a mover and a shaker. He was a man of influence. That was his problem. But he was independent. He was impetuous. He was impulsive. And he made a mistake that sent him into God's seminary for 40 years. And God's seminary always does its work. And now he's the most humble man on the face of the earth. And here's what he says. Verse 11, chapter 3, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm nobody. And God said, I will be with you. Amazing grace. That's what I put in my notes. <laughs> Amazing grace. I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. And so Moses said, okay, then, let's do it. That's for all the guys that aren't even looking to the Bible. You're not even looking at a Bible. You're not even cheating by looking at your neighbor's Bible. <laughs> Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, him, ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I love this answer. I love this answer. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Who sent you? I am. That's what he said. I mean, that's what he said. Tell them I am sent me. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, appeared to me and said, I've watched over you. I've seen what has been done to you in Egypt. I've promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into the land of all those ites, land flowing with milk and honey. And the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. And we won't get into that, but that's the ten plagues. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. 
and I'll make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. I love this part. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. You say, well, why in the world would God have them plunder the Egyptians? Because he wants them to be materially rich? No. Of course, he wants to take care of them. But when they began the wandering in the wilderness, God gives instructions to Moses about the building of the tabernacle and the materials for the tabernacle. Where are they going to come from? From the material blessings that God provided when he delivered Israel out of Egypt. And they would give willingly for the work. I think that's cool. But Moses hadn't said he's going to go yet. So you get to chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? <laughs> That's a, one of the problems with humility. And then the Lord said, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it, and I would have to. And the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake. Buddy, if God told me to do that, it's going to take real faith. I'm telling you, I'm running from that snake. I don't like snakes. And he took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. God says, now put it back into your cloak. So Moses put it, his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Now, stop there for a minute. Where are we at in terms of God getting Moses to be his representative? I mean, now God's saying, I'm going to do miraculous things. I'm going to do undeniable miraculous signs that they can't deny. That's God. And you'd think Moses would say, okay, man. I mean, okay, God. <laughs> All right. Well, all right, we'll go. But look at verse 10, chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Now, wait a minute. Forty years ago, Acts tells us that 40 years ago he was powerful in speech and action. He's a great communicator. He's an impressive orator. But now he's humble. Now he's humble. More humble than anybody else on the face of the earth. <laughs> Verse 11, chapter 4, the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Moses knew that answer. 
Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. And then you get to Moses' last and final excuse. And this is really comes right down to this right right down to the gut. Here's what he said, verse 13. Moses said, Oh Lord, please send somebody else to do it. Not only does it doesn't not feel worthy, he doesn't feel capable, but now he don't want to go. He don't want to go. Lord, please send somebody else to do it. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. God's hot. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I'll help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He'll speak to the people for you. It'll be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. And then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, Go, I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do, but I'll harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. And that, of course, is the Passover being referred to. So despite his feelings, despite his excuses, his lack of desire now to go, he decides to go. He goes. Now, you're going to be surprised at the final few verses in our study it's, it's really just, you just don't see it coming. Here's what happens. Verse 24, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. What? What is going on here? He's going after all the excuses, after the final one saying, the Lord just send somebody else. He's going. Well, why in the world was God going to take him home? Why in the world is God so upset here? Well, verse 25 gives us a clue. But Zipporah, his wife, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. She circumcised their son. Surely you're a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone after the child was circumcised. At that time, she said bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. Now, if you'd like to take a look, leave a marker there, and Genesis chapter 17. Under this economy, circumcision was a big deal. Genesis chapter 17, verse 10 
God said to Abraham, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you're to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought, bought with the money from a foreigner, uh, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He's broken my covenant. Listen, just understand, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I can only surmise that's why God was so upset. See, I'm still having a hard time with that. Well, hang on just for a minute. Moses is a humbled man now. We've seen that. But for whatever reason, Whatever reason, and scholars suggest, one scholar suggests, some suggest, some suggest Zipporah in their culture as a Midian, living as a Midianite, you know, or her father's a priest in Midian. Some scholars suggest that they weren't accustomed to circumcising their children, and maybe she talked Moses out of circumcising the child. We don't do that here. Whatever the reason was, they do not circumcise the child, and Moses is the one responsible. You say, why is that such a serious thing? Because of what circumcision represents. The meaning behind it. Moses is a humble man, but now that he has recommitted his life to God's will and on his way to a very public and powerful ministry. Listen to this. On his way to very public and powerful ministry. But he's neglected things at home. You with me? And that's where ministry begins, and that's where it ultimately ends. My home life is not right. Here's how we bring it to a close. Circumcision involves the most private part of life. That's not meant to be off color. That's, that's what it represents. It is the most private, sensitive part of one's life. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Samson was proud, just like Moses in the beginning. Samson also had hidden sin in his life. Because he failed to humble himself and repent over time, it brought his power, his power in public ministry to an abrupt and devastating halt. Samson. Seek out men like I have in my life now that know everything about my life. And they can ask my wife anytime, how's Danny doing? They can ask me anytime. They can ask us both together. Best thing that ever happened to me. So let me ask you, how about your life? It's the hidden stuff. It's the pride. Those are the kind of things. Oh, it doesn't happen overnight usually. It takes time, but it, it will bring things to an abrupt halt. Well, let's finish it, and then i got a couple more things to say quickly. Exodus 4, verse 27, The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God, and he kissed him. And Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about all the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. 
Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshiped. Moses is humble. Uh, Moses now has things set in, set in order with his family, thanks to his wife. Uh, and now he begins his public ministry for the Lord. He's just beginning it. But as we'll see, as we go on in the story uh, in the weeks to come, the challenges for Moses have only just begun. And there's some great lessons from tonight. And thanks for being so attentive. But listen, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is one of the most devastating, damaging uh, sins in a person's life. Uh, John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and here's what you need to hear. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean you can't uh, be a mover and shaker. It doesn't mean you can't be a person of influence. But you want something that's really God, God doing a work through your life? It's really God doing it? Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah says, Then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Now, Isaiah also had a very humbling experience because you remember there, uh, he was living among a people of unclean lips. He's committed to the Lord, and he's living among, among a bunch of hypocrites. All right? But then... Before he answers the call, says he sees the Lord high and lifted up on his throne. And when he sees a vision of the Lord and his glory and his holiness, here's what he says. Woe is me, judgment on me. I, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. And it was not until that humbling experience that God said to Isaiah, Whom shall I send? Who'll go for us? And a very humbled man said, I'll go. Send me. And that's the man that's prepared to go. That's the woman that's prepared to go. You go without humility. Hmm. It's just some point down the road you're going to be in trouble. I can't predict how long it's going to be, but somewhere down the road you're going to be in trouble. What is another one? Romans 2, verse 11, God does not show favoritism. If you're taken aback every time I read that section at the end of chapter 4, after Moses now, after all the excuses, and yet he's going, he's going, he's willingly going now. And yet, on the way, on the way, he said, God's going to take his life. God doesn't show favoritism. Just because his name's Moses. Just because we got him reading it. He's a great, great servant, great leader he came to be. But listen. Yeah, she's every one of us equally. There's no favoritism. Equal. And if I mess up at home, if I don't have things in order at home, don't matter. I'm Danny Hodges, pastor of Calvary Chapel, St. Petersburg. God could care less about that. Doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't matter how long my track record of victories is or how influential I've been, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, I, I don't keep things in order at home. God does not show favoritism. He doesn't say, well, that's Danny. How many people will be affected if he fails? How many people are affected because of Bob Coy's failure? 
He does not show favoritism. Oh, one more. It's 416. I said 410. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you'll save both yourself and you're here. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is an incredibly powerful tool to fight off the fear that's growing in the hearts of people. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement in knowing that God has come to redeem just as He did in Exodus. Please pray also for us to continue seeking God's will for this program. As you pray, please consider if God would lead you to support us financially in some capacity. If you'd like to partner with us in this way, please visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under forms. Anything given will be used to share the good news of Jesus. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Exodus. And we hope you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.